the sports clubs were so busy putting together a winning team on the pitch. The technology companies were so busy building their technology. Nobody was thinking about bringing the two together. Hi, welcome to the Halftime Snacks. My name is Ronen Einbinde. This show explores the intersection between sports, business, and technology. Are you ready? Let's go! I'm excited to introduce and welcome our next official guest of the show. Today, joining the call from London in the UK is a sports marketing legend and an enthusiastic tech entrepreneur. He's the managing partner of Fantas Tech, a company that is inventing the future of fan engagement using new and emerging technologies such as blockchain, AI, VR, and many others. Our guest today is a prominent businessman, and we met through my weekly newsletter. He accepted my invitation to the show with zero hesitation, and I'm excited to have the chance to learn from him. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Madbinsia. Ronan, thank you very much. Great to be here. Great to be with a fellow enthusiast of sports and technology. It's my pleasure to host you, Steve. And, you know, I would love to start our discussion by talking about collectibles in general. A few weeks ago, I wrote an article about the most expensive baseball card ever sold. One of the main things that I realized is I haven't seen a collectible card for years. It feels like it's an industry that has been slowly fading away. Your company, Fantastic, seems to be about taking that industry and making it digital. I'd love to know the story of Fantastic. What is the purpose of the company? What is, what is the pain point you aim to solve? The whole idea behind Fantastic is that myself and my partner, Simon, we just absolutely love sports. We love technology. We've worked in it our whole lives. And we recognize that the sports clubs were so busy putting together a winning team on the pitch. The technology companies were so busy building their technology. Nobody was thinking about bringing the two together. So we're like, hey, we know this area. Why don't we go for it? You know, it's a white space. Nobody else is in there. And it's a classic startup type thing, right? You know, you see something nobody else sees. You just kind of dive right in there without knowing any of the questions or, quite frankly, any of the answers, you know, type of thing. So that, that was the premise of Fantastic, knowing that many people around the world are just like me. They love sports, but they're not close to the sports they love. I mean, I love everything from Australian rules football to American college football to big rugby matches, you know, have guys in the office trying to teach me about cricket, you know, but you can't be there all the time. So how do you get more engaged with it? And when you see technology doing things in other industries, so special, so unique, you're like, you know what, we got to do it in sport. We have to make things happen in sport. So we started creating a whole host of different products and showing them to different people. And uh, we were very fortunate that early on, we had some of the top European football clubs, European football leagues come into our office. And I still remember one of the younger dev guys, you know, wrote, writes code all the time. He's with us maybe six months. And he's like, how the F did we get Real Madrid in our office today? Well, what do you think I've been doing for the last 15 years? You know, I've, been, I've been working closely with these guys on Champions League and other things so that, you know, one day came, I'd call them, they'd answer quite. And so that got them to look at our products and they said, hey, we like this. We understand this. This one we might not have the rights to. And when we showed them our digital collectibles that we built on a blockchain, they all were like, geez, we need that. We need that right now. 
And we're like, we didn't understand the pain point they were talking about at that time, but it's really clear to us now is that they saw that 99% of their fans are absolutely never going to attend a match, you know, because they're building up this international fan base for, for 10 years. They've been in a race to build up hundred million, 200 million fans on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, now TikTok, everything like that. Right. But those fans are, you know, they're just getting likes. They're just getting shares, you know, if they're lucky, but they're not really monetizing them. So how can they monetize those fans? How can they get better engaged with those fans? Flip that coin. On the other side, the fans are saying, I want to get closer to the team. I want more interaction. I want more engagement. And I'm willing to pay a little bit of money. So how can I do that? You know? So when we showed them our digital collectibles, they were like, yes, we own the rights to that content. We, if you guys know how to build it and make this, because it's a very sophisticated blockchain system, we do it. And once we showed them that a kid could trade with somebody in Tokyo or Toronto as easy as they could standing right next to them in Mexico City or anywhere else, these guys were like, yep, we're in, we're in. And they've been really good partners ever since, quite frankly. Wow, that's uh, fantastic. I mean... That's right. <laughs> that's what we hope people will say. <laughs> yeah, it's the first thing that came to my mind. I really can't wait to swap some digital cards with you, Steve. I mean, it sounds like you guys are being able to create a tool to even make us feel engaged with the teams, even though we can't even see them right now through the circumstances of COVID. I'm really curious to learn about a little bit about the platform that you talk about, which you say it's very, very um, complex. I want to know how Fantastic is leveraging technology to connect between sports fans and digital collectibles. You know, the blockchain itself is a great tool and great system. And of course, everybody knows it because of crypto. Crypto cannot survive without the blockchain, but the blockchain can survive without crypto. So my partner and I, you know, long hours debating this over pints of beer at the local pub and stuff like that. We, we finally decided that we were just going to go blockchain because we didn't think crypto was mainstream enough that the complication of having to have a wallet and open up a wallet and stuff for the mass audience wasn't the right thing right away. So we, but we liked the authenticity, the decentralized nature of the blockchain. We thought there were a lot of great positive things that we could do there. And the fact that, you know, you could have a verifiable digital asset and trade it just as nicely with somebody anywhere around the world and not get ripped off because they're trading you something back that you agree to as well, right? So we, we really liked that and really understood that. You know, there's that old saying, hire people smarter than you. I always tell the story, my first blockchain meeting, 12 people in the room, I'm absolutely the dumbest guy in the room about blockchain. But you keep learning, you keep asking questions, you understand, you've got a business mind, you dig into it further. And now I'm speaking at blockchain conferences around the world, you know, which is extraordinary in itself. And the real cool thing is once we got closer with the teams, we started co-creating some things with the players and the players understood this. So we have different levels of cards, different levels of collectibles. And some of the players actually do like their favorite keepy uppy trick or their favorite celebration after a goal. Um, in the case of like Mesut Ozil with Arsenal did that with us the first year, you know, which really became hugely, hugely popular. Or you have some of the women's players that, you know, they, I remember one lady, she told us, I do two things. I snowboard and I play football. That's all I do. So is there anything I can do around snowboarding? Because she wanted her card to be unique and special, you know? And so nobody has this kind of like co-created stuff with the players because the old school, I'm sorry to call them, paper cardboards that are made somewhere centrally, you know, they got to cut down trees. They got to ship it in, you know, polluting ways. They got to put it at stores. It's either on a sale or return. but I will say one thing for them. They did sell one yesterday that topped 
your uh, your most expensive card. It's Mike Trout's rookie card. It went for three point nine million U.S. dollars. No way. Um, just yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta so make I, a new article then. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I said to my guys when we saw that. I said, look. I said, we've got some one-of-a-kinds here with some digital signatures because I really think that's going to be something that's going to go for us quite strongly over the next 18 months where, you know, players, they have to protect themselves. So they're not going to walk into an audience of people like they used to and autograph shirts and books and hats and everything like that. They just can't take that risk. And even if they thought about it or the team thought about it, I don't think their agent would ever let them do it, quite frankly. So we created these digital signature autographs where the player actually steps up to the screen signs his autograph or her autograph, and then it gets locked, transferred onto their chest, locked in, time-stamped, authenticated right then and there. And it's really cool. And people know that that's a genuine autograph. It's not a fake, you know, like this one, you know, with Mike Trout, how do you know it's really his signature? You know, probably because Mike Trout's a decent guy, it is, and stuff like that. But the one that he beat with Honest Wagner, how do you know Honest Wagner? That was really his signature, because that was from 1922, you know, and they're, a lot of people had to say, yeah, it really was, wink, wink, you know, before you ended up paying a couple million for that. So, we're, you know, we're kind of really making it right now all for the masses. I mean, we've got well over 185 countries, tens of thousands of people trading digital collectibles. And it is really cool to make new friends because there's a networking aspect of it. You find out people like certain people like different players. And when you realize that and you come across one, you trade it to them because you know that that's their special collection. Other people like certain numbers and they trade it to them and stuff like that. So we're really having a good time with it as we build it around the world. You know, one of the things I really like about what you say is uh, how you approach the pet developing a new app in, into a new technology, because even though you don't know, it's, it's, a, it's all about being less certain and, and having more inquiry, right? Knowing how to ask right questions and, knowing where is the opportunity and how would you could, could you learn from it so i think that's super interesting and i i love your your product is is i think it's also comes at a great time because of how social interaction is is limited so uh, i think it's great i think it's it's fantastic again <laughs> but uh, you're gonna be curt you're gonna be cursed with that word now i promise you <laughs> Uh, given the level of competition in the market, I'm, I'm intrigued to know what is the main line of business that Fantastic must win in within the current business model to be successful. You know, there's a couple of hurdles, right? Because we are actually a B to B to C. So we work with the teams, we work with the leagues to help them generate revenue from those hundreds of thousands, millions of fans that they've got around the world, right? But they have, so we have to, the pain that we have to solve with them, the hurdles that we have to overcome from a business perspective is first to get them to understand the product. And sometimes there's an education process there, right? So sometimes the, the technology may be, I don't wanna say over their heads, but it may be a bit complex and you have to show them and demonstrate to them how it works and how it can work for them. Funny enough, the fans, you know, the first, the first wave that come in, they're all the technology enthusiasts, right? They know blockchain, they know everything, you know, VR, AR, AI, ML, you know, they know all the letters, right? And they, and they do it all. So they just come in because they think it's cool, different, interesting, and then they start sharing it with friends that maybe don't know technology as well. So it's kind of a two-step sell, which is complexing, right? So first, the teams have to be believers because they're giving up certain things to go on your platform as far as content, player time, you know, rights-free footage, things that they have and stuff like that. And 
I'll give you a great example of that, working with Real Madrid, who are a super partner to work with. They have, you know, some of the classic footage of all time because they have Champions League final footage. You may remember Gareth Bale's wonderful bicycle kick. Now, we have that as part of our collection. People can take that and own that and trade that. It's really a hot item. And again, I'm not trying to make uh, down to talk the other competitors that we have out there. But they've got a paper card of a guy sitting there smiling from nine months ago, you know. So he's either put on weight or took off weight or added muscle or something. But he's changed a lot. But we've got that. We've curated that moment in time. And Gareth Bale does an incredible bicycle kick in the Champions League final to win the trophy for Real Madrid. And you can have that in your wallet, right? And your, sorry, on your phone. You can have that on your phone. You know? And that's the other cool thing is that so many people wrote to us and said they're joining our, our camp because when they were little, they collected panini cards or top cards and their mother threw out their card set. They're all upset with it. But they know now they get to keep it all on their phone it's not going anywhere. So they get to show their friends at the pub or they show somebody in the old days, pre-COVID, you know, at an airport or something. But they would share that with them, the different collections that they had and then bring them into the game. And that's really how we've grown is word of mouth like that. Yeah, and I also think that one, one key element of sports is its emotional part that fans actually remember things because of the emotions that it caused them in back in the time. So I feel like by capturing the moment, you also capture, capture the emotion, which is something like when you sell emotion, it's every, everyone's going to buy. And, you know, with, with the current shift in how everything has been taken online, businesses, sports, technology, all of them have been affected by all the things happening worldwide, such as political changes, trade wars, and COVID, of course. So I'm intrigued to ask you, what are the top three to five macro trends affecting your business environment? If you could be as specific as possible, that would be great. One thing is that we know absolutely positively for sure that mobile phone use is up, right? So originally we had thought we were gonna to appeal to the mobile first generation, but with COVID coming on board, it's actually a mobile first economy, right? If you look at all the statistics, people are going to their mobile phone first to do everything. Zoom calls, you know, uh, ordering on Amazon, digital trading with Fantastic, you know, everything on that phone. So it really truly is accelerated that mobile first economy. And that's, that's huge. And it's also helpful to us because 85% of our fans are younger than 30 years old. So we know that they're the mobile first generation anyway. So that fits perfectly hand in glove with us. But the other aspect that we have to think about in our ecosystem is, you know, when are those fans going to go back to the stadium? When can they go back? You know, there's tests with, you know, 10% of the stadium, other tests with 20% of the stadium. And so those fans are having like real withdrawal systems. So they, they need, you know, interaction. They need engagement. And that's why, you know, I'm pushing my dev team really hard to come up with more games that people can play on our phone with the digital collectibles, more leaderboard competitions, more, you know, different interactions like that. So that the people that are missing that kind of journey to the stadium and stuff, because that two hours prior and that two hours after is probably about our busiest time. Those kind of, they call them shoulder times. That's when we can see people just light up on our board that they just start trading all over the world because they, it's the build up to the game. It's one of the things they want to do when they're double screening and stuff like that. But probably the, the number one thing that, you know, is really a thing that we have to be careful of more than anything else, I think, is the differentiating ourselves from other people that are out there that have gone the crypto route. Um, I have 
no issues with the crypto route. I think it's a wonderful system and people should do it. But there's a lot of, um, I like to call them crypto gamblers out there. So I'll give you one prime example. F1 Delta Time is a great game, wonderful game. And I'm very envious that they sold these crates of unknown stuff at the beginning of their journey. And it was like over $350,000 worth of stuff that they sold, $374,000 to be precise. Right? And I'm very envious of that. But the more I looked into it, the more it looked like they did a very smart thing where they used a thing called altcoin and just consider that like a currency converter. And so people with all of these digital cryptocurrencies around the world that were kind of useless, were, what are you going to do with them? You know, you have to do something. So they went and bought this F1 Delta Time game because F1's a big attraction. So that's great for them. They got some immediate cash. But the question is whether long-term those people will be around and continue to be players and stuff. And so that's the balance with the, the people that are in the market with the crypto formula right now have to figure out how can they get something just in an immediate jolt of people trying to get rid of what I call their bad crypto coins into something that's a long-term playment. A little sophisticated, I know, but it's, it's, it's one of the things we have to challenge. You said be specific, and I was. No, that's actually fascinating. I mean, I think the world is changing so fast, and soon we're going to be facing uh, more and more and more applications surrounding uh, the blockchain. So I think, I think now is, is a great time because it's, it's right around before it gets trendy, but it's still, you know, in, the, in its early days. So I think it's, it's a great time for you guys. And I, and I, I wish uh, you guys have uh, tons of success. And, you know, Steve, my, my last question for you is, is a little bit of a more personal one that I, I like to ask on the show. What, what, what's your message to the world? If you could have a billboard that would be seen by millions of people every day, what would you write on it and, and why? Well, listen, if it's a billboard that's going to be seen by millions, then presumably I don't know most of these people, right? And if I don't know most of these people, then I have to assume they're like everybody else in the world, that they have good days and they have bad days. And, you know, some might be struggling a little bit more than others, especially in this COVID era, quite frankly. And whenever I get into that kind of thinking and or have helped out a friend that's been in that kind of space or myself, I, I reach into my wallet and I have a little card inside my wallet there that somebody gave me many, many years ago. And it was a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And, and I am not, you know, one of these great people that I can quote Emerson left, right, and center or anything like that. But he, he had this quote that said, what lies behind you and what lies in front of you pales in comparison of what lies inside of you. And it's really deep. You know, and it really, it really hits the spot. And I can't tell you how many times I've helped people out with that, or it's helped me, that if you're in a tough spot, you know, don't worry, you'll get through it because you got the right character. You're the right type of person, you know. It's definitely helped us through this startup because a startup is like the wildest roller coaster ride you're ever going to be on. But that quote from Emerson, for me, is probably the number one thing I'd probably put up on a billboard because it would help the millions that were going past it every single day. Wow, that's, that's deep, as you say. I love that. It's super special. And I think that's a great place to wrap today's conversation. Steve, I'm grateful for having the chance to speak to such an icon of the industry. I'd like to My thank pleasure. you for your time, for your insights, for your kindness. And I hope we'll get the chance to interact in person sometime soon. But for now, thank you for coming to the Halftime Snacks. That'd be awesome. And I'm going to go have some Halftime Snacks. I'll keep listening, keep reading the newsletter. And if there's anything else I can do for you, Ronan, you just let me know. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it.
before you leave, I want to thank you for listening. To hear this or any other halftime snack, check out the full archive on my website, which you can find on the show notes. See you next week! <laughs>